Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for Vegas Nation and Blue Wire Network. Vegas Nation sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for Takeaways with me, Heidi Fang. Welcome to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. It's your host here, Heidi Fang. And today, my guest, Eddie Forsilli from Sirius XM Radio, is going to join me to talk about what the experience was like in Las Vegas uh, coming to the Raiders game. And also, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN is going to join me. We're going to talk about his book, If These Walls Could Talk with the Raiders and Lincoln Kennedy that he put together. So we're going to have both of those guests joining me. But first, I want to remind everybody to hit subscribe. And I'm also presented to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal, as well as Station Casinos, STN Sports. Download the mobile app today and get a bonus of up to $500 when you sign up. And we're also presented to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Tick pick. All right, everybody. As I said, I've got a pair of guests lined up for you today. So let's get it started with Eddie Borsilli from Sirius XM Radio and his podcast, also Yards Per Attempt. I'm joined with Eddie Borsilli from Sirius XM Radio and the Yards Per Attempt podcast. Eddie, a good friend of mine, former colleague. We're going to get into this right now. Uh, you were at the game, Allegiant. You guys did a remote for Sirius XM as well during the game. And then you got the opportunity to experience it. You have been like a lifelong Raider fan. First, just tell me what that experience was like for you. Heidi, it's good to be on with you again. Uh, I, I can't, I don't know if I could put into words, to be honest. And I'm going to say this, you know, candidly here. I did not get a chance to go. I was in Oakland. We did Raider training camps. I drove by the stadium. I never went to a Raider home game before. That was my first experience ever at a Raider home game. So I didn't really know what to expect. Obviously, there was no fans last year. It blew me away. Just like I talked about going to the practice facility in Henderson, everything about Allegiant Stadium blew me away. The place was electric. The fans were so hyped up. I went, I probably walked the entire length of the stadium. I just wanted to get, I wanted to see what kind of food they had. I wanted to see, you know, what the lay of the land. Every little nook and cranny of that place was awesome. The seats were incredible. The energy was great. I mean, you couldn't really expect more. And a lot of it had to do with the game. Even when the Raiders were down 14 nothing, the fans were still really into it. People were, were getting out of their seats. People were getting excited. It was such an enjoyable experience to be able there and, and see my favorite team live in person in a home game. Raider Nation really showed out, and the stadium was awesome. That was the first thing, too, that I did. Eddie, you said you did the same thing. The first thing I did, because I missed the preseason game uh, that they had against the Seahawks that was the only home one with fans. Uh, and so I just wanted to soak it in for a minute. I got my credential. I went down. I walked the field with nothing but my cell phone. I usually have like three cameras on my back <laughs> during the game. But I, I just was like, no, I'm not going to be burned in right now. I just want to walk the field and get the feel for the fans and you know, feel that energy come into the building and bring it to life because the 2020 season just wasn't the same without Raider I'll, Nation. I'll, I'll say, yeah, you're right, Heidi. I'll say this throughout the game, and I know we'll get into the game in a little bit. The defense, the much maligned defense fed off that crowd. I'll tell you right now, you know, when the Raiders are on offense, obviously Derek's trying to tell people to be quiet. It's hard, you know, telling hype people to, get, to be quiet. And they'll learn as the games go on. 
But that defense, Max Crosby, Abram, guys like that, they were pumping up the crowd. Trayvon Mullen was, was, had his hands in the air telling everybody to get loud. The defense fed off that crowd. That was not there last year. That was not there, obviously, with nobody in the building. You have silence. You got fake crowd noise. You can't really feel it. On big third downs, when the music played and the big voice guy came on and said, hey, everybody get loud, it's third down, people got on their feet, got off their butts, and you could tell that it hyped up the defense. And they were getting after him. They were getting after Lamar in the second half, especially. So that's the biggest thing. This team was two and six last year at home. It, you know, if, if you if you flip it around, they're a double digit win team. I really think having these people in the building, the fans in the building, hyping up the defense is going to be a key this year for this football team. Then that's something you bring up a great point: the home field advantage, because the Raiders only did win the two games at home last year. Uh, how much do you really feel like? this is really a game changer for the team to really truly have like a home field advantage with the fans. Yeah. Say what you will about Oakland and the Coliseum. I never went there obviously personally, but you saw the things you could see what the fans and what the players gave, you know, they kind of bounced stuff off of each other and teams. I've talked to a bunch of former players before, whenever they went to Oakland, it's intimidating to go into a place like that. Vegas has that intimidating aspect I've been to Kansas City. I've been to Seattle. I've been to, the, to some of the loudest places you are. In the key moments in that football game, that stadium felt like one of those stadiums where you're just like, wow, this this place is freaking loud. And it's indoors, and the sound's going crazy. It's a big nightclub in there. I think they have a true home field advantage. I really do, especially on primetime games when you have everybody out there and the stars are aligned. I really think this team, and like I said before, I think the defense feeds off of it. I think the players get hyped up to play in front of fan base that they missed last year. So like I said, I, I just think it's it, it's something that's in their pocket this year, a benefit. And it went out in week one and proved that it's a home field advantage. You know what? That's huge. It, it almost feels like the Saints game in 2016 where – yeah, it's a, it's a game where you think they're going to lose and they pull it out. And it's almost like a game changer in a sense, like, hey, we could do this. We beat it. We beat a really good Ravens team in prime time in our building. There's not many other teams that are on the level as the Baltimore Ravens as quarterbacks, MVPs like Lamar Jackson. I think it's a game changer. I honestly do. I got to reflect on something here with Max Crosby because you did mention the defense and how the energy was for them and how they fed off of the crowd as well. Max Crosby, AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, this is a huge accolade for him. Second time he's had it and uh, third time he's been recognized in the NFL's weekly awards. But when you think about the impact he had on the game, how much the pass rush was there, how much the defensive line had pressure in the game, what were the thoughts going through your mind looking at that unit together? I've said this to a couple of people before, and I'll say it when I do my podcast later this week. If there's a quarterback, if they're playing any other quarterback besides Lamar Jackson, they would have had at least eight or nine sacks as a team. They were they had constant pressure, even in the first half of Lamar's Lamar's doing Lamar things and he's, he's escaping with his feet. They were constantly in there. The addition of unique and and we'll see what happens with his injury and see how much time he misses. Hopefully it's not too much, but a guy like that on the other side of Max Crosby really draws out the best in Max because it frees up Max to go against a tackle one-on-one, -on -one, and you could see the talent this guy had. Nobody works harder. He's one of the best dudes in the league. Obviously, everybody knows what he's dealt with in his personal life, cleaning up his life a little bit. He is one of the elite pass rushers in this game right now, and the play that really sticks out in my head was on a play action, Lamar boots out to the left. Max Crosby was stride for stride with Lamar Jackson running to the sideline. There's not many defensive ends in the league that could do that on a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. So 
I'm excited with the pass rush. I think the pass rush showed everybody what it could do, what kind of disrupting factor. And the biggest thing about it is causing the turnovers. As I said, I tweeted out the other day, you don't need to be the 85 Bears. You don't need to be the Ravens with Ray Lewis. You don't need to be that type of stifling defense. Get a turnover to when it matters. Flip the field. Give the offense the ball back. That's all that matters. But Max and that line showed you they could be an elite unit in the, in the National Football League. And you have another big test this week with, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but you have a mobile, you have an immobile quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. You kind of have the you know the total opposites of each other in Lamar and Ben. I'm anxious to see what kind of stuff they do to him. But Max, Max balled out. He deserves what he got this Wednesday. Unique in Gakway, still a question mark. We are recording right now. It's early on Wednesday afternoon. The injury report is not out yet. So I'm putting out that disclaimer, Eddie, before we get yeah, into yeah. this part of it. But how important is it that they keep the balance there with Unique and Gakway? And who would you expect to step up, whether it be Nassib or maybe Malcolm Coons or even Clean Farrell, if he's activated this week in the event that Ngakwe is out? Yeah, that's a touchy subject. You can't mention Farrell's name, Heidi, without people getting all pissed Ooh. off. And <laughs> I know, I get it. <laughs> but there's a lot of different guys, but that's the beauty of what they did in the offseason, right? They went out there and they got a lot of bodies that have produced in the National Football League along the defensive line. Gus Bradley, some, some, I don't know who said it. Someone said it on our SiriusXM broadcast. I think it was uh, Kirk Morrison had said it. It's almost like a hockey. It's a hockey vibe. You get like alternating lines coming out like every every couple snaps and keeping guys fresh down the snap uh, down the stretch. I really think it worked early on. It was unique and Max getting to the quarterback. Carl Nassib came and he was fresh. He made plays. Guys were getting after the quarterback. So I, if unique misses a couple games, you probably see Farrell and Malcolm Coons be activated. But I would expect that rotation. I think NASA would probably be the guy that steps in for him right away. But I think you'll get a, a little bit of, you know, uh, I don't want the word trickery from Gus Bradley, but you they won't give it away in a sense. But you'll have a lot of different guys rotating out. You had Solomon Thomas kick out to the end. You had guys in and out going in and out of that defensive line. So Right away, Nassib probably gets it. He proved it. He had a big strip shack of Lamar that changed the game in, in, in overtime. So he'll probably get it right away. I, I definitely think you'll see Cleve Farrell back in the lineup this week, and you'll probably even see Malcolm Coons out there too, to, to help the pass rush. I love that analogy, the hockey lines. That's like the, the perfect lines. way to the, go the through The Vegas it. Knights were in there. You had, uh, Kirk <laughs> said it. Everybody kind of perked up. It was like, yeah, like, hey, let's, let's keep everybody. It's important. You don't want guys rushing a pass or all game long. And by the time the third and fourth, you've seen it. We all seen it as Raider fans. By the time the third and fourth quarter comes, the defense is totally gassed and they can't get it. This defense was not gassed in the fourth quarter and overtime. This D line was getting after Lamar. Yeah, man, that's so great that you brought that point up because that's something that I noticed also through training camp when people were asking like, well, who's going to be in this position? Who's going to be here? Who's going to be on that right end or the left end? The thing was, is like even during camp, Bradley was constantly rotating those people yep. and interchanging them. So it was impossible to tell, okay, he's with the first team today, but you know, maybe tomorrow he's not with the first team and it didn't have anything to do. It doesn't really matter though. Yeah. Team, right. It doesn't really matter. Like who's officially on the depth chart. You could put a depth chart. And if we look at the depth chart from preseason games to regular season games, yeah, you could say X, Y, and Z is a starter. Okay. That's on paper for everybody to see, but case in point, KJ Wright was not on the field for the first defensive snap. KJ Wright came in on the second. I was watching him on the sideline. He came off right up right before the first snap. I'm like, oh, maybe they're working him in. Second snap, KJ Wright was back out there. So technically, KJ Wright was not a starter. He wasn't on the field when, when the defense was first out there. But guess what? He was on the field the rest of the game and he made plays. So it really doesn't matter who's technically the starter or not. It matters who makes the plays in these games. And another point I want to get on is just the final finish. 
the crazy heart Ugh. attacks that I'm sure all uh, Raider Nation was having, Eddie. Um, first, before we get into the actual plays itself, just walk me through your emotions as the game was ending there in overtime. What it was like for you? So it's funny. I was with two colleagues from Sirius XM and there were two people that had been to football games before, but they've never been to a Raider game. And they didn't kind of know what my level of you know fandom was watching this football team. So I think they were kind of just watching my reactions as as the game was playing out. I think everybody let's let's talk about Daniel Carlson, Daniel Carlson making money kicks, the plays that Carr made to, to, to Brian Edwards, finally trusting him enough to throw him, throw him those passes, get in line for field goal. And then I think the Brian Edwards TD, I'm using air quotes right now, TD, where he almost got in. The place was going bananas. The place is going crazy. A walk off win, like unbelievable. And everybody was kind of when you're not watching on TV, you don't get the whole sense of what the hell is going on sometimes. So you see people coming and going, and all of a sudden they're like, okay, he sh- the, the referee comes out and he's short and it kind of let the air out a, a little bit. And then I'm on my phone trying to get the game winning TD. And it's like, all right, car goes and sneaks and doesn't get it. And then penalty. And I'm like, my God, this is going to be, this is, this is, this, that's my point. This is going to be another disastrous Raider outcome where they had the game won and they find a way to lose. And then they get the ball back. And then when Daniel Carlson runs on the field, I'm like, no, I'm screaming. I'm like, no, get him off the field. You don't need to kick it right now, please. He's been money, but it's second down. Get him off the field. And then Zay Jones with the touchdown. It's just as Raider fans and Raider Nation, you really wouldn't have it any other way to, to, to have a, a roller coaster game. Nothing with this team could ever be easy. But in the end, it's one to know. They came out with the win. They beat a really good football team and in dramatic fashion. I, I, I still don't think I'm over it emotionally. I'm glad the game is Sunday at one o'clock. Hopefully by then. I'll get over it, but it's just such a confidence boost. And the people were just loving it. The fans were going crazy to walk back to the Delano and the Mandalay Bay was epic. I got a picture of it in a video on my phone. People are all pumped up, screaming Raiders all day long. Heidi, it was oh, awesome. Yeah, send me that video. I Love will. To see that. It, it was it, people, people going nuts. The walk back was really cool. Vegas was I the funny thing is I, I was, you know, it's Vegas. So you want to go out and party. I didn't even go out after the game. I was so emotionally spent. I just <laughs> went back to my room and I was just like sitting there. I was like, what the hell just happened? You know, it just it took so much <laughs> out of you. It's crazy. Oh my god. I was honestly wired until like three in the morning and I had a 7 a.m. uh radio show to get to. So yeah, that oh. was it was rough. It was rough. But I want to move on now to the Steelers game. Like we started talking about it. Big Ben, completely different look at quarterback than what you saw at a Lamar Jackson. So what would you say right now when you think about Ben Roethlisberger and how this defense approaches this game is going to be the big factor in the Raiders trying to hold this Steelers offense down? Yeah, I think. Uh, look, uh, people want to come out there and say that Ben Roethlisberger is not the same player again. Ben's not washed. This Steelers team has a lot of weapons. Najee Harris showed a little bit in the first game. You got guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson. They have a lot of weapons. And when their offense gets going, their passing game gets going, it's hard to stop. So I think, again, it's just like any other quarterback. Get consistent pressure. And what you want to see more of, and what the reason was in the first game versus the Ravens, why Lamar was kind of having success early on, Unique and, and, and Max were coming from the outside, almost crashing into each other so quickly. And Lamar just escaping up the middle. And it wasn't that interior push just yet. You have to have that interior push, you have, especially like a guy like Ben. Lamar could fake out and run different ways and make moves. Ben's not going to do that. You get that constant pressure from the outside and get guys up the middle. That's why I expect to see Clee Farrell rotated in on the inside. Maybe even a guy like Malcolm Kuntz is as active, rotated on the inside and Nassif as well to give them that little push upside. Let's also not forget, and I didn't mention him yet, Darius Feline. Darius Feline had an incredible game 
versus the Ravens. He's going to only get more playing time. He's been all over the ball. He has a nose for the ball, and he's been giving them that consistent pressure. So, Ben, he's got weapons. It's the Steelers. They could put up points. They're at home. They got a, They have a home field advantage. But to me, the biggest key going into this game is the Raider offensive line. Denzel good. It sucks for him. Losing him for the year. Ascending player. You wanted to see him with a, f- a full year under his belt like last year, but you're going to have guys that need to step in. I wouldn't be surprised if they give Zach Martin some time at guard in practice this week, maybe even go out there and get another backup for Luminor uh, to give him some help. But the Steelers are the Steelers. TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, they got some of the best defensive players in the league. So the biggest key for me is I think the Raider defense will hold its own. I think the Steelers will score some points, but I think the Raider defense is here to stay. I want better communication from the offense. I want the early on versus the Ravens, the communication was not good. The Raider offense has never looked worse. Honestly, I've never seen that Raider look Raider offense look as bad as they did early on. The Steelers are going to come with rushes. They're going to come with blitzes. The offense has to be on its A game to, to go toe to toe with the Steelers. Do you just kind of attribute that shaky start that the offense had just to maybe not even playing together in preseason, even though they had the scrimmages with the Rams? And I know they said, you know, this is all, uh, you know, even better than having a preseason game going through those inner squad uh, practices. But, um, you know, do you feel like the, it just was kind of shaking off rust or adjusting to the crowd or just working together in real time? What, what do you attribute it to? Yeah, I think I think let's start with Carr. I, I think that sometimes Derek gets a little too ramped up. I think he gets a little and, and that might be, you know, just the, the, the nerves from the crowd and being in front of him. He wants to go out there and make every throw perfectly. So I think at first he was a little ramped up. Obviously, he was trying to force the ball to Waller a lot, but I think he was a little he, I think in the second half, you could see that Derek settled down a little bit and started making some smarter plays with the football. And it's hard, Heidi. You got a, you got a rookie left tackle. Good goes down pretty early on in the game. You got Andre James. That's a, a young player that's never started. That's snapping. So you have you have John Simpson, who's a young player. You have a lot of inexperience on that line and no preseason games. You're just throwing these guys out there, hoping that they work. You got the crowd going nuts. You got the Ravens defensive line with Calais Campbell. It was a huge test. So I think early on it was part nerves. I think it's part communication. You saw with the fump with the bad snap. You didn't see a lot of bad snaps at Rodney Hudson and Derek Carr, let's be honest. So I think they just have to find their groove. I think a couple games in, it's going to take a couple games to get used to each other. Practice is practice. Scrimmages are scrimmages. Once the the pads come on and the game comes on, it's a different animal. So I think it's going to take a little bit of time. But you can't take time when you're playing the Steelers. You can't take time when TJ Watts coming off the edge and Cam Hayward's coming up the middle. So this line, especially with the injury to Denzel Good, they need this. They need Richie Incognito back. I don't know what his... His deal is, I don't know if it's just a lingering thing from last year or it's a new injury or you don't know what it is from Richie. They desperately need, especially in the steel game, a guy like Richie Incognito on the field. Hopefully he can get healthy and get out there. For sure. And uh, just because you are talking injuries, how devastating was it to see one good you kind of touched on already? And then two uh, with Gerald McCoy being done for the season for this team. It sucks, man. Gerald Gerald worked his way back. I mean, I think it's just a, a point in his career now when he's an older player, an injury bug. He gave them some juice. He gave them that veteran, veteran presence inside. It's going to give opportunity. to Honestly, I think the guy that benefits more is Darius Phelan. I think Phelan is going to see the, the field more and more, especially after the way he played in week one. It sucks. Gerald's been a, a constant pro in this league. I think he would have been helpful for this team to give him some snaps, give him some rush on third down, seeing him go down was it sucked sucked for him it sucked for denzel good hopefully these guys could bounce back next year and and come back even stronger Uh, but please i stress too and i'll say this on my podcast later this week 
when a Ravens player is getting caught off the field, Raider Nation, no waves, please. No waves. The fans were doing the wave, the wave in the crowd. And, you know, it's just it's a bad look. You don't want anybody that's getting carted off the field, um, you know, to, to, to be excited that someone's hurt and getting off. So. Hundred um, percent. Thank you so much for saying that. It was driving me nuts, Eddie. Thank oh, you. Oh, hold on. We have <laughs> we have we have some news, Heidi. As we're on, so the Raiders have just signed uh, guard Jordan Simmons off the Seahawks practice squad. Look at that. So I see it, Tom Pelissero. Yeah. Yep. So there's a guard. So yeah, like I said, you're gonna Illuminor is gonna go in there. John Simpson's ready to play. Hopefully, Incognito comes back. They'll get the reserves in there. But you also have Nick Martin. That's a true center that I, I think could see some guard stuff if if James um, keeps up the good work at center. So. The offensive line is the key. This has been a strength of this football team over the past couple of years. So hopefully Denzel and and, um, and Gerald come back quick. But the steel, the offensive line is a big test this week. Yeah. Oh man, it's just it's been a rough road for those guys already. And uh, I just want to wrap up things here, Eddie, with your outlook on the Steelers. Uh, what's it going to take for the Raiders to notch another W and on the road here going into Steeler Country? If you have, if you ask me. You know, two weeks ago, the Raiders are going to come out of this game 2-0 and with wins over the Ravens and Steelers. Their, their playoff chances are, are, are really good, even with the 17-game schedule. I think they're going to have to cause some turnovers on Ben. They're going to have to get Ben out of his comfort zone. And I think they're going to have to open it up a little bit more. I think the offense is going to have to come out early. What was so staggering to me in the game versus the Ravens was usually early on, the offense comes out clicking. The first scripted 15 plays of the game, John Gruden, and Derek Carr on the same page, and the offense usually puts up points. I expect them to come back to that this week. I expect them to come out and open it up. I think Carr in the second half found his trust in Edwards, found his trust in Henry Ruggs. You know, obviously Renfro is 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 the goat. He catches everything, gets first downs, and obviously we know everything that goes on with Darren Waller. I just think that the offense is going to have to come out and put a hurting on the Steelers. I like their chances. I like this Steeler game to, to, to the first game in Kansas City last year where they came out and it was just an air attack, attacking the Steelers. The ball's got to come out quick. Like I said before, TJ Watt and Cam Hayward, I expect the ball to come out quick. I expect some deep shots in this game. I think the Raiders have a really good chance in this game. I honestly do. If the offensive line can hold up and they can get some pressure on Big Ben, I think the Raiders can come out with a win. I know that's not just the fan and you speaking. I know you no, put no. actual analysis into this. I know you do. So I appreciate it. Again. I, if I, if, to be honest, if, to be honest, if I had to pick a game before the season, I expected them to lose to the Ravens and I expected them to beat the Steelers. So I don't know if we're going to flip flop here. Or we're going to get a little bit of both. But I thought they had a better chance going into Pittsburgh on the road. They were a really good road team last year. They played yep. really well on the road. So I expect nothing less. I expect this team to play well on Sunday. All right, Eddie. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, of course, because uh, I was a little sad I couldn't catch up with you inside at Allegiant. We talked about that a little bit off air, but yeah. I'm glad I was able to catch up with you today on the airwaves. So <laughs> it's, always, it. it's always a pleasure. Heidi, you do a great job. Keep up the good work. Oh, thanks, Eddie. You be well, too. Right here, we'll take a quick break. And when I come back, I'll be joined with Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations. Raiders football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Raiders tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site 
And the only one you'll need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. We know Raider Nation is psyched about the games taking place at Allegiant Stadium this year and on the road. Raider Nation is everywhere, so TickPick has you covered. Make sure to to check it out, visit TickPick.com slash VegasNation and use the promo code VegasNation to save $10 on your first order of Raiders tickets. Joining me now from ESPN is Paul Gutierrez. He covers the Raiders. He has been extensively for years and now also a published author, something that I could only hope to do someday. I don't even know how you find the time, Paul. First of all, welcome to the show. Thanks, Heidi, for having me. So three-time, three-time, three-time published author now. Yeah. Two, two Raiders books and a Dodger book, which I know is very, very close to your heart being a Bay Area <laughs> lady. So, um, no, thanks. It, it's, it doesn't, uh, it's not easy. But at the same time, when you have a lot of people that support you along the way and, and you have stories to tell, um, it's fun to go ahead and put these things out there. And, and the new one with Lincoln Kennedy, uh, it, it really was a blast trying to get this thing, you know, from doing it in the middle of a pandemic and talking to people via Zoom and, and getting it out there. It was, it was a lot of fun. The only thing I did during the pandemic was binge a whole lot of Cobra Kai. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, credit to you for being able to find the time to put all of this together. Uh, you had that foreword in there from Tim Brown as yep. well. So what was it like for us to collaborate with uh, these Raider greats and to really bring this thing to life? Yeah, it, it's like you said, I've been covering the team for a while since really, I mean, the first Raider game I ever covered as a quote unquote professional. I was 18 years old, so I was in junior college working for my Hometown newspaper, 1988. So from 88 through 91, I covered a lot of L.A. Raider games. Uh, was a fan of the team before that and, you know, just kind of knew the history. And then in 2005, uh, as, a, as a grizzled vet, so to speak, I covered the Raiders <laughs> for the Sacramento Bee as a beat writer. And then from there to CSN Bay Area, which is now NBC Sports Bay Area. Um, from there to ESPN. So it's just, in, in terms of covering a team for a long time, you make a lot of contacts, you have a lot of sources, you talk to a lot of people, you do a lot of uh, throwback type pieces, and that's how you kind of, you know, get this, uh, kids today won't even know what it's called, but you know, when you have all the cards lined up in one thing, like a, a Rolodex, a Rolodex yeah. that's the word I'm looking for, yeah. <laughs> and, and you just kind of go from there. And for me, what helped a lot was my previous Raider book was called 100 Things Raider Fans Should Know and Do before they die and it was like it's we're, we're it's sitting right in the same here, room yeah. here in the I'm, media I'm room he's it. got it right he there got it right here and it's Love basically it. you know for lack of a better term it's a hundred wikipedia entries on on the team and different moments in the history things that fans should know as the title says um and in the course of writing that book i made a lot of contacts because i was like look i'm writing this book but i also cover the team and, and, and it kind of went from there so when it came time to do another project for the same publisher triumph publishing triumph books um their next kind of series of books beyond the 100 things was if these walls could talk and they generally um, paired a writer who's covered the team for a while with either a former team player or a radio announcer to tell tales and in lincoln he's both former player and current radio broadcaster so 
you know, the, the title sounds a little scurrilous, a little, little uh, drama there, but it's not. And he does take readers behind the scenes of certain things, whether it's the Super Bowl that they lost to, yeah. to John Gruden in the Tampa Bay or the Tuck Rule game, what was going on in the huddle and on the sidelines. There's a lot of stories like that that are in there. So it's a lot of fun that way. And then I'm able to put uh, my voice in, is in there as well in telling kind of my story of, of um, growing up in Barstow, California and going to UNLV and seeing this whole wide, crazy world, just kind of all these worlds of mine colliding now at the corner of uh, Dean Martin Drive and Al Davis Way, which is just insane to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've been, like you said, on this journey with the readers. And in that book, there are some great like details about just all the things like obviously I don't want to give away anything right. about the book <laughs> is the thing like I've been reading it but I don't want to give away things because I want the fans to be able to pick it up but if, if there's anything that you wouldn't mind disclosing about it that can make a fan really feel like they went kind of behind the scenes and they got to get a piece of this Raiders story along the way what was your favorite part of the book and putting together I don't know if I could say favorite but probably memorable would be or, or it kind of put the context into the situation. Lincoln doesn't blame Barrett Robbins for the Raiders losing that Super Bowl, even though he disappeared. He's their starting center. He's their all-pro center. Um, and it, it forced the team to kind of change their game plan against the Buccaneers. Um, but they had seen it kind of coming for a, from a while away. I mean, the, he obviously was diagnosed later as being bipolar and having some other issues and, and got on medication to help himself. But when he'd fall off his medication, there'd be uh, incidents. So one like of the Mexico. stories, yeah. So <laughs> so what Lincoln talks about is during training camp in Napa, they used to do this prank where they'd pull out the little doorstop, the little rubber doorstop, uh, for uh, in the hotel. And if you got that, and if you jammed it into the door just right from the outside, you could lock somebody in their room. So I guess it was in the middle of one of Barry Robbins' episodes when the coach at the time asked uh, Lincoln to barricade and lock. Barrett Robbins in his room so that he wouldn't get out and, and create any havoc. And they're like, look, if you do that, it's going to be even worse because he's going to tear up the room. So that just tells me a lot of things that the team knew was coming, but it was a different time. I mean, we're, it's almost two decades ago now. And there's, there's medicine now. There's, uh, you know, there's an acceptance of it. And uh, you just wish and you hope that, that a guy like Barrett Robbins could get the help then that maybe he's getting now or can get going forward. Yeah, and that is a, it was a crazy story. I remember hearing all the things that had happened and how they found him and just like he didn't even realize, I don't think, that he actually missed the Super Bowl. I don't no, know, he, maybe he did. There was just a lot of pressure. He thought they had already won and he was partying in Tijuana. Yeah. So there was so many strange things that kind of came together that Super Bowl and Lincoln goes into it because he's a San Diego kid. You know, yeah. Lincoln graduated high school in San Diego and it's the last time, if you look it up, it's the last time there was no bye week in between the conference title games and the Super Bowl. The Raiders were an older team. Uh, they went straight from playing a very physical late game on Sunday against Tennessee to the next day traveling down to San Diego. There was no break. Mm -hmm. And then they're in San Diego, which is a capital city of Raider Nation anyway, so they're getting pulled on and and prodded every which way because it's Super Bowl week. They have no time to really relax uh, and get their wits about them. And they thought they were going to roll over the Buccaneers because they were that good that year. And as Lincoln says in the book, there's only one person on the planet that could beat them. And it was that <laughs> M blankety blank that's across the sidelines. And yeah, that was John Gruden. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it be crazy, though, just thinking about like the tuck rule and Tampa Bay and all of that stuff? Wouldn't it be crazy if the Raiders were to get to the Super Bowl, face Tom Brady? Wouldn't that be nuts? 
<laughs> that is full circle because you know yeah. the Tom Brady and, and this With is just Tom me Green speaking. This yeah, is me speaking on my own here. That, but I mean, you know, that's that would be wild because the whole legend of Tom Brady began with the tuck rule mm-hmm. against the Raiders in John Gruden's last game as Raider coach in his first tenure with the team. So there would there would be a nice little bow tie on the end of that if <laughs> if that were to happen. Yeah. Um, but you know it. Stranger things have happened. I feel like cosmically it has to happen. Yeah, it, it just it just would be like the full circle. But yeah, I don't I don't know about yeah all the cosmos and how they align. But again, the book is "If These Walls Could Talk," uh, penned by Paul Gutierrez as well as with Lincoln Kennedy in there. And Paul, um, like you talked about putting it together during the pandemic. So, um, you know, when you go into a project like this, like how do you like first plan it out? How did it come to be? Yeah, it's interesting because with Triumph, like I said, they they had a series and in what it's called, like I said, if these walls could talk, they mm-hmm. pair a writer with a former athlete and or radio broadcaster and you go from there. Well, after that, it's do what you want. Give us 100,000 words, cool. you know, and <laughs> there's something freeing about that. And there's something that's downright scary about that because it's like you're giving me free reign to do what, you know, and, you know, it wasn't like here's 100 things and, and I just have to pick 100 things and put them in an order like I did the previous book. And, but with this, you know, you got to check with Lincoln and make sure that he's cool with this, that and the other. So we, we just brainstormed and thought, what do you want to talk about? You know, let's not look at it as the book by Lincoln Kennedy. Let's look at it as a book by Lincoln Kennedy from a very specific time frame. Because, you know, like I said, I, I, I started covering the Raiders on a full-time really gig in 2005 through today. Mm-hmm. Lincoln played with the Raiders from 96 to 03. So it was perfect. We could tell the story of the Raiders in that era, especially when they returned to Oakland in 95. And he was there on the ground floor. He was, he was part of the story. So we looked at that. We also looked at a couple other books that were out there and looked at the way they framed theirs. So we kind of framed ours after the Oakland A's with Susan Slusser. Um, And uh, we looked at the way they did it. They had a lot of Q&As. You know, Susan had her own chapter. Her co-author had his own chapter. And we just, I I looked at it like that. I presented to Lincoln, asked if he liked it. I presented to our editor who worked on that previous book. So he was totally down with it. And we just went. So then... At that point, we tried to figure out, well, who should we talk to? Who do we want Q&As with? Well, we got everybody from Mark Davis to Mark Bedane, who gave us absolutely positively no sense that he was going to be resigning from the team at any time. Uh, Rich Gannon talked about the Super Bowl in depth. I've never heard him talk about it like that before. To Tom Flores, who went in the Hall of Fame. Jim Otto, who's in the Hall of Fame and was one of Lincoln's biggest mentors when he first came to the Raiders as an offensive lineman. Um, John Gruden is in there as well. And every single one of those Q&As, um, we did via Zoom. And that, again, was that's how you do it in a pandemic. You got guys on <laughs> totally. Zoom, you know, and, and we talked about it. And there yeah. was a lot of uh, transcribing that happened in there. But there's 20 chapters, 10 of them are Q&As, and then 10 others are just chapters on Lincoln's takes on every single Raider Hall of Famer. Uh, Lincoln's takes on different personalities that he either played with and or covered. Um, so it's real interesting. Yeah, got to get it. Tell everyone where they can pick up the book before we move on, yeah. because I do want to ask you, I have you here a couple of things about the Steelers, but where can everybody find the book? Triumphbooks.com. Uh, it's there. Just do, a, you know, once you get on the website, you can search my name or Raiders. Uh, if you do Raiders, you'll find every book that Triumph has ever done. And, and uh, it's for Raider fans. It's it's a uh, it's a must have, in my opinion, obviously. But uh, it's it, it, like I said, it was a lot of fun. And Triumph Books was, was good to, to link it to myself and and it's exciting. You know, this is the week now where it officially dropped and I've been getting a lot of fans and 
uh, Twitter followers that uh, have been reaching out and, and saying they got it and they enjoy it. So it's funny. I might, I, in my chapter, um, I mentioned growing up a Raider fan in martial arts with my dad. And, and I have a picture in there. There's some yeah, photos I that some I took. Yeah, I saw some of those, yeah. And it's, Taking I'm, 12, it back. I'm, I'm 12 years old wearing my, my ruse cleats for whatever reason <laughs> at a karate tournament with my baby brother. So I was just talking with my brother, and he said, hey, first question, when are we having a signing because I need to sign my picture. So it. it was, it's, it's, it's a family affair and, and it's really cool. I do carry a Sharpie, but I forgot the book, the book <laughs> today. So I, I have to admit, you know, I, I gush a little bit at these things yeah. that you do because like you have been a mainstay for the Raiders for so long. And as somebody that is a fledgling to the team here, I feel like even though, you know, among some of the other yeah. Vegas reporters, I do feel like I've been here a little bit longer, a little bit more embedded, but, um, I still feel like a fledgling. I have a lot to, to learn from you, Paul. Well, so do I. I mean, you never learn. And my, my mindset is you, you're always learning. If you're not yeah. learning, you're, either, you're one of two things. You're either dead or you're dumb. You got, you're always learning. It's like Andy Dufresne says, Shawshank Redemption. Exactly. Get busy living, get busy dying. That's right. Um, but <laughs> let's talk about the part where the Raiders have to get busy against the Steelers uh, this coming week. week nice two. transition. I try. I try <laughs> to make it flow. That was my great Andy Dufresne segue that you were a part of just now. But you have this game. You talk to an offensive lineman like Lincoln Kennedy, and then you see what's happening now with the offensive line with the Raiders. A few injuries um, with uh, Denzel Good being out for the season. Rich incognito with the calf it's going to be a struggle i think to for them yeah. to try to find replacements on a short week what's your take on what's going on right now with uh, the offensive uh, line injuries first of all well it's it, to me that was always the key coming into the season i mean the the narrative was can the raiders fix the defense because that was always going to be the key coming into the offseason anyway well when the raiders decided to reshuffle their offensive line and reimagine it that then became uh, a storyline and then when you have all these injuries um, and, and you kind of, in my opinion, in, in Monday night's opener, you kind of saw it rearing its head there where you saw Derek didn't really trust the line or guys were getting through. Plus, the Ravens have a really good defense, and he almost relied too much on Darren Waller. He talked, you know, this week about how, you know, he's so good, I'm going to target him all the time. Uh, you know, he was in single coverage, not all the time. He's being bracketed quite a bit, and, and you know, he talked about he wasn't going to force throws. Okay, if that's your best guy, that's your guy. Um, Pittsburgh's defense is no slouch either. And when you got T.J. Watt creating havoc out there, and, you know, that's, again, it's going to be another tough day for Alex Leatherwood. But guess what? That's why they drafted him so high. Um, the games, to me, are always won and lost in the trenches. And for the Raider offensive line, this, this may actually be a bigger test uh, than the opener, if for no other reason than they're on the road, early window, short week, and, uh, yeah, it's a big rivalry with the Steelers. And on the flip side, they have the, – probably the Steelers have one of the more, like, shaky offensive lines mm -hmm. that I've seen in uh, the past week. What do you think that the defense can do against that? It's going to be interesting there, too, because, you know, in, in Max Crosby wouldn't really touch it, but you've got a much larger, much more stationary target to go after in Ben Roethlisberger. So whether they can – tee off on him and, 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 and bring him down, you know, again, knowing something and doing something about it are two different things. Uh, unique in, in Gakwe's health is going to be a major storyline as well, if, if that hamstring is acting up. But what a great story Carl Nassib was uh, with the strip sack that actually kind of saved the game and won it for the Raiders for the second time, I guess, the other night. So um, it's, it, I'm really interested to see how the defensive front 
adjust, especially with, I would imagine, the return of Cleland Furl from the inactive list. Yeah, it's going to be something to watch is where he lines up at, where they use him, because they were kind of utilizing him on the inside as well, yeah. not just on the outside of the line. So that is going to be something I keep my eyes on and how they really, if he does, like you said, I'm pretty sure he'll be active, but where he lines up. Well, and be beyond active. that, just what his attitude is going to be like, mm-hmm. you know, because John, John Gruden tried to play it off as kind of an injury thing, but they couldn't go injury too much because if they did, then that would be breaking a, an injury report rule. Um, but you know, and and I've heard nothing about Kali except for being a professional, being a leader. So how does he respond to being a quote unquote healthy scratch and probably starting and playing a lot of snaps against Pittsburgh? That, that to me is going to be something to keep an eye on. All right. Your prediction for the game. (sighs) At this time, I mean, just, you know, I, I did pick the Raiders to beat the Ravens. Um, I just think that it's a little too much right here, right now, uh, to, to go with them again. I'm going to go Steelers. 31, Raiders 27. All right. There you have it. Paul, I really appreciate the time today. I appreciate you joining me. Talking about the books. Books. They're plural. He has three of them out there. El Tri. (laughs) El Tri. (laughs) Make sure to check out triumphbooks.com and check Paul out on Pete Gutierrez ESPN on Twitter. Uh, And I thank you again so much for the time. I look forward to maybe doing this some point again uh, whenever I can corral you in the media room. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. I'll be back at some point next week. But until then, don't forget to check out VegasNation.com for all of your latest Raiders news. And you can find me on Twitter at Heidi Fang to keep up with everything happening out in Steelers land with the Raiders because we will be out there in full force as always. And thank you, everybody, again so much for listening. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations.